Murphy, the veteran, the sidestep, the banana, Mark Murphy! Might have no choice. It starts right, it swings back, what a goal! Hello and welcome back to the Unlucky Blues podcast. I'm your host Luke, JB is with me today and again we're only down to two this week. Tass unfortunately had to bow out of this one, so I'm, I'm technically his replacement this week. But um, it's good to be back, and I'm sure JB and I will have plenty to discuss. JB, we've got a win. How's things? Oh, I'm still coming down. Oh, I'm still nervous. Still nervous. I think we still might lose it. To be honest, it's still never. I was never comfortable that game. Never comfortable, and I think everyone else was as well. We, and it was one of the funny things. Usually, we were always complaining about playing three quarters of good footy and losing it in one bad quarter. But this time we play one quarter, actually not even one quarter of, but if I even say one quarter of great footy and three of pretty average footy, which is pretty funny how the how the table turned on that one. But um, but yeah, still, it's a win. We'll just leave it at that. We'll just yeah, I mean, I heard the the term "good win" getting thrown around, and you know, oh, it was a good win. You know, great to get a, get another win on the board. We needed it. And as, as much as it was good to get a win, a good win was, I don't think, was what was on my mind. And it was just, it really was a scrappy game. You could tell it was two teams that aren't travelling so great at the moment. But um, a win's a win, and it's a win we really needed. I think there's, there was a lot of pressure on a lot of people at the club um, in the past month, especially ever since this talk of the external review has been underway. Even before that, there was a lot of pressure on a lot of people. So a win is just pressure off the shoulders for another week, which is important. It's going to be good for the players, good for good fatigue and the rest of the coaching staff and good for the fans. I think we needed a bit of a boost because it had been a while since we'd had a had four points get added to the tally. Yeah, I don't think we would have been able to cope with another loss, to be honest. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah, definitely wasn't a good win. A good win would have been not, not uh, kicking more than two goals and seven behinds in the second half. But... Um, yeah, at the end of the day, wins a win. Obviously, yeah, a lot of people under pressure that week. Williams and 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 the like, and they all had good, they all had pretty good games. One that ones that were under pressure, and um, Teague actually had a made a couple of good decisions on the field too, which we'll which we'll get into later. So everyone that was, I guess, under pressure actually did their role and did did well. Didn't just um hang on the coattails of the others, which is which is good to see as well. Yeah, I think that that was one of the things I really noticed. I thought everyone sort of pulled their own weight. Like the underperforming players, I didn't think were noticeable like they usually are, which indicates that realistically, no one was having an individually terrible game. And it hasn't been like that for a while. Usually we have a few players we can just pick and, and sort of, you know, admittedly it's harsh, but we can really sort of pick on them and make sort of make them feel bad for what they've done because I'm sure they're listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was, a, it was a great team performance. I thought the way we were moving the ball for the, for, for, you know, for most of the game, even though most of the game we weren't getting results on the scoreboard, the way we were moving the footy was a bit more exciting. It was, it was a good brand of footy and it's something that I think, um, what, from what I saw, there is a recipe there that could lead to success. And it showed us that there is that capability to be a good team, but we just need to see it more and more. And it's it's this thing that we've spoken about forever as Carlton fans and as Carlton fanatics. Same thing, really. Um, is is we we know we're good enough, but we just never show it. My mate, I was sitting with my mate Daniel at the game, and he came up with the perfect analogy. And he said, "Supporting Carlton is like owning a parrot who doesn't talk." when people come around, but doesn't shut up when you're, when you're at home. You know, the, the parrot will just be yapping in your ear the whole day, pissing you off, waking you up at the crack of dawn. But as soon as you sort of on command, you say, right, talk. We know we've got, we've got all the cousins over. Shuts up, doesn't say a word. It's like Carlton. We know what we can do, but we never do it when it matters. We never do it when people need to be watching. Yeah, that's, that's a very good... Um, yeah, it's an analogy, isn't it? Yeah, very, very good analogy. Very Because... Yeah, and, the, and our issue is we just don't see it enough. And the issue is to to get those kinds of performance. It's very simple, I'd say. It's it's that effort and pressure, which is not rocket science to really do. Obviously, there's some factors as well that I'm sure we'll get into that might also be pretty simple and 
it fries people's brains, I think, when they don't do it. Obviously, we'll get to that as well. Obviously, if you can't guess, it's playing some players in their positions and giving some players their chance. But, um, but yeah, because that's the, yeah, that's mostly been our issue is we know they can play good football, but uh, fantastic football, and we saw that, albeit for 10 minutes. But luckily, this week was enough to win the match. But at least what was good to see as well was throughout the game, we didn't really tire and give like really easy goals. Like I think we might've had like maybe one or two goals in red time the whole game, which, and albeit the, was that Jimmy wrote the James Rowe one? I don't think it was a free kick. So, and, but that was defensively, there was a lot better signs as well. Not just the fact that we kicked more goals, we were able to defend a bit better as well, I think. So, but yeah, very, very good analogy. It is like a parrot that, that talks when you, when no one's showing when no one's at home, so... Yeah, I, I think that 10 minutes spell, or it was, it, really, it was probably less than 10 minutes. I think I, think I saw a thing um, on Facebook, one of the, a Carlton fan put it on one of the groups, and it was the clock show, the actual game time, it was like a minute and a half, where we kicked those four goals at the end of the second quarter. And that 10 minutes, it's the best and the most frustrating thing ever for Carlton fans, because as we said, it's what we've known we're capable of all year. We knew we were capable of doing it, and we've only just shown it for this 10-minute patch. Admittedly, you can't keep that level of intensity and that level of effort up for an entire game. But you've got to be around that. You've got to be around that sort of level. That should be what you're aiming for every single game. And realistically, you should be able to get to that stage at every single game at some stage. Doesn't matter how early or late, you should be hitting it. And realistically, we haven't been for the past, for the whole season, really. So the fact that we saw it. It was great to see because we that was that's that great performance is what's frustrated us for so long. So hopefully it comes out again. You know, next week against Frio is a great chance to put a young team. You know, we did it to them earlier. Get a young team, just take advantage of them. Just run run rings around them and just get, just go hard. Get the footy. Go hard. Yeah, exactly. Go hard. Yeah, good a good phrase to to use. Yeah, obviously last week I thought um, we we're probably going to lose to Adelaide and lose to Frio. And watching them on the weekend, I think actually, if we, it all comes down to it. It's always a big if. If we play like we did against Adelaide for most of that game, even if we defended like that, I think, because I think he still defended pretty well. Obviously, I think they got some cheap ones, which we won't um, make excuses for and and whatnot. Obviously, you've got to try and hold your tongue on some things. But um, I think we did defend really well. And I think, albeit, this might be just be the... Carlton tinted glasses on but I do have actually have a good chance to win not just in a close one and being unsure I think we actually should have a comfortable win because all it does is just show to the boys look what happens when you put that effort in you play for each other you don't play for yourselves you play for each other and you have that effort on and off, on both sides of the ball and and when what happens when you do that is you get results or you, you at least go close to getting results and you're putting in good performances so obviously it was benchmarked by the um, re-signing of the co-captain of six years obviously reportedly took a pay cut as well which shows more commitment so hopefully it means that they're more of them are wanting to play for the team Cause, and that's what we saw in some of the individual performances they just did their role like um, like with I'll bring one up but Paddy Dow mm-hmm. obviously all he has to do is get out of the stoppage and handball and I'm sure I think I might have heard it on some podcast even if he gets negative metres gained with his handballs it's fine as long as we keep the ball and give it to someone else who can use it and he, and, he, and he played his role and there were others there that also did the same and I think that's he went a long way in the reasons why Carlton actually got the four points just yeah I was going to mention the whole Crips 3 signing I, I was going to say it's been a great week for Carlton realistically like injuries aside like what's actually happened at the club has been great you know we saw we got a win Crips re-signed and reportedly takes a pay cut and it, it was so nice to see that what the club had been saying all all year long in terms of the Crips contract situation was actually true. It happened straight after all the other sort of, uh, what's the, the phrase, all the other things fell into line. You know, Harry Mackay re-signed, they, he, they focused on that because that's, you know, the younger player, the big asset, you know, still leading the Coleman. So he's always going to be costing a lot more money, especially as a key forward. 
So Cripps waited for all that, and then as soon as that was done, he, you know, he's back. He signed, and that's what we needed. It, it's given the fans a bit of faith. I'm sure it's given the players a lot more faith in the club, and it, we had an extra spring in our step. You know, I've, I haven't seen I haven't seen us play with so much sort of guts in a while. And I, I, in, in saying that, you know, I'm mainly talking about the way Lockie Plowman went in straight after Weirin got hit, and then everyone followed in as well. That was perfect because there was a situation, I think, earlier in that quarter where I can't remember who it was. Um, someone got, I think, slung in a bit of a cheapish tackle um, and only one play sort of gave a little bump. It was in the back half. Might yeah. Have, might, have been, it was, might have been Walker on plan when he drove his head into the ground. I'm pretty sure if that's the one, might be that tackle. But albeit it wasn't given a free kick, but we'll leave it at that. But yeah, I think I, think I know which one... Yeah, yeah, and, and it, I think I think one player went up and just gave him a little bump, and I was a bit worried. Then I was like, "Come on, you know, gotta get gotta get into him." And then Weedering got hit, and Plowman got straight into it, and it was perfect. That's something we've been asking for as fans. It doesn't matter who gets what what the outcome of the result was. He went into back his mate. Weedering didn't move for a good minute or two, so he was hurt. You don't let your guy lie down on the ground and let the other guy get away with it. So it was perfect to see Plam go after because Plam's not a big guy when you compare him to Fogarty. Fogarty's a unit, and he he went he didn't hesitate. Stocker got in there. Jack Martin got in there. There was a lot of players getting involved, and it was just so good to see that passion that we haven't seen for ages. Yeah, it's one of the things just been crying out for. Obviously, Prochevsky Seaton had that as well. Really, just making bumps in being physical and making them earn earn their touches as well. Um, it was like the one with Walsh after Williams kicked his goal. It's hard to see on the vision, but you can see him get. I don't know whoever tackled him in the back, but again, I'll leave. I won't say any. I won't say anything else about that. But he also. Gave him a bit of afters, and after Williams kicked that goal, a bit of brouhaha started as well. So um, it was just good to see because you saw it. The you saw what happens when you don't really do it, and I was against Port Adelaide, and where obviously the Pitney won, and and they're just like there was no belief that they could have. Arguably, if they had that belief, they maybe could have won against that against Port, but um, it wasn't to be. But against Adelaide, they had that, and especially in their attack in. In on both sides of the ball too. When they were defending, they worked hard. And they worked hard for each other as well, which is good to see. But yeah, the attack through the middle, like running through the middle, was fantastic. The quick mark and handball is fantastic. Obviously, it might have been a bit fortuitous at times. I mean, one time Adelaide dropped it, and, but that attack was was great to see. And it's really what we've been crying out for instead of the the slow build up and plonking it on someone's head. Yeah, I think that was the most impressive part of the game was the way we were entering Ford 50. It wasn't great every time, but compared to what we've been used to being seeing all season long, there was actually Ford 50 entries at a leading target. You know, Jack Martin was a fantastic target for us going forward. It's what we've been asking for now. He didn't convert all his chances, and that's something that will come. You know, he's a great kick. He just had a you know he he had an off day in terms of that stuff, but um. I just think we had targets. Owies, again, he didn't have his straightest kicking day, but he was a target. I think he kicked one goal three. Mackay was obviously a great target. He didn't take his chances. We missed a lot of chances, and we could have won by a lot more. And again, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. But the fact that we were getting those marking opportunities that weren't just bombs and big contestant marks, it's important, and it's what we needed to see. Yeah, um, just... I think I've said it on the pocket. Just more deliberate inside Ford 50, not just hoping... Someone's going to mark it out of out of their backside. They're gonna. It's going to be a deliberate lead up, and that was. We might have bombed it a few times, which obviously you can understand under you know, pressure, whatever. But when you've got that time and space to hit a target, you hit it. And even Paddy Dow had time, and he actually hit a really good one as well. Usually he'd be one to waste it, and not be good with his kicks. But when you had that time and space, he actually used it. And I think he might have. I think he did. It, actually, did hit the target. It, was, it might have been to always, but it was a great kick and. It's been like that, and it's been like that. It was like that for the whole game, really. Obviously, you couldn't take your chances, but any other day, I think it was two goals, seven that last half. That's the second half. Yeah, I think any other day, that's five goals, three, or whatever, five goals, six goals, six goals, whatever. And and you put the game to bed because I think there was a few chances where they could have and they didn't, and it wouldn't have been as close as it was. But any other day, you but as long as you bring that effort, those you're at least going to create good chances to score. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good time to talk about the young players that you know showed really good signs um, that I was particularly impressed with. Uh, I'll start off with Dow because we've mentioned him a couple of times. I thought Dow, he showed us why we need to keep the faith as hard as it can be sometimes. He played a full game in the midfield and he was fantastic. He Was he best on ground? No, he wasn't best on ground. But he was what we need and that being a serviceable, serviceable player, serviceable midfielder. He got plenty of the ball. He was hitting targets more than he usually does. I'm assuming. I actually haven't seen numbers, but it definitely seemed that way. And as you said, even if it's a handball backwards, Tom Mitchell won, Brownlow, won a Brownlow handballing backwards. It's an important thing getting that ball out. And realistically, his, the way he plays, that explosive speed, that's, that is the perfect game to complement a player like Cripps. Someone who is a big bull in the midfield needs that guy, that quick guy that can run and dash. Once he works on that polish... He's a perfect. He, he's the perfect thing for this midfield, and he's showing it. He's showing the signs. It's why we had the faith in him in preseason. You know, we lost the faith with him after a few weeks because he wasn't playing well. Mainly because he was stuck in positions where he didn't like. But we see when they go in their positions, they can actually do something. They can make themselves useful to the team, and it's great to see. Because realistically, we can't have Kerno and Murphy in there all year. We just can't do it. Yeah, he had. He played three quarters of the game. Um, and most of his touches were actually, yeah, more in the midfield. It was great to see with on Paddy Dale as well, just through traffic. He's very clean with like through traffic, how well he moves. That's his whole game. That's that's the thing. He, he can't play his game not in the midfield. That's his whole game. It's that explosiveness through the through the traffic. That's why he was such a highly rated youngster, and we haven't been letting him do his natural game, letting him play in that natural position. That's why it's been so infuriating. But then he, we see him against Adelaide. No one could get near him. He was... He, he's, he's very quick too. Yeah, and I mean, and we can touch on Samo now. This is, two of, this is the second of three players I want to talk about. Samo, I, honestly, I wasn't impressed to see him come into the team. And I don't think he was one of our best on. However, compared to what he has been doing in the back pocket, he was fantastic. He moved up the ground, he was getting his hands on the footy, and he was trying to make the most of what he could do. Now, did he turn the ball over a few times? Yes. Were there some times where you're thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to get rid of this guy? Absolutely. I remember I said to my mate, just trade him off to West Coast. I don't care. However, he was in a position where he actually can perform well. He can't perform well in the back pocket. He was playing up the ground and he was making an impact. It was so good to see. I know you. I know you sort of been very pro seed and then very against seed. And where, oh, where was, do you sit was, on him? I was. A, I was a bit more pro than than most. But just look at when it happens when you give him a chance. Like he played a bit more forward, forward, half forward as well. And but it's when he had the ball through traffic was through traffic as well and under pressure was actually he actually used it very well. And I think him. The more he played in defence, the more his confidence waned with his use as well, and he didn't really feel confident, and that's why he might have missed a few more kicks and looked a bit worse than than he can play as well. So, um, I, I loved it. He didn't get on the score, didn't, he didn't kick a goal, but I think he would have gone close to. But he created a lot, and he's very very clean as well under pressure, which which is good to see. And just uh, I was I was with Tass watching this. It was just like you just couldn't help but just point to the screen and say, "Look what happens." Just and just keep pointing. Look what happens when players are played in their positions, and you give them a run in their positions, and um, or at least a role that they can help them flourish, even if it might not be in the position that they like. But yeah, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've always been a Seton fan. I'm, and I was just always wasted in the back pocket, and it was great to see him have have good moments and that he can build upon as well, give him that confidence because it's. You draft someone as a midfielder who's played as a midfielder their whole lives, and you wonder why they're not playing well when they're playing in a in a back pocket. And and then some people are all surprised that he can actually have good moments when he's in a position that he can flourish in. So, yeah, it was great to see, but obviously should give him confidence to build more in the future as well. Do you, do you think this? Um, do you think the intention of bringing him in was to potentially increase his trade value? 
And do you think that might change after this one performance? I'll give you my thoughts after you give me yours. Uh, I hope not because I want to see him. I just hate to waste and trade away because he is a talented footballer. It's, I'd hate to see him get traded. And I don't think clubs wouldn't get um, that excited by one, de- I'd say, decent to good performance. He needs to show a good, a decent block, which he should have the time to prove in the next three or four games. So I hope not in terms of trading him away or increasing his value. And I don't think he'd, clubs would be that excited at yet. See, my thinking with Seedon was always... It's, all, it's very obvious that he's a midfielder and he was always out of position. So my thinking has always been, if he's not playing midfield, he's useless to us. So I was always under the impression, especially in the last sort of month or so, um, we should probably look to trade him. That was always my that was my thinking because I'm thinking if he can't fit into the midfield now, he's never going to fit into it with Dow ahead of him because Dow's obviously ahead of him because he at, was at the, he, at the moment. Yeah. I'd say and he's getting played in his position for sure. So Dow's ahead of him. You know, there's a lot of like there's guys that want Fogarty. I think would probably even be ahead of him in terms of playing midfield. There's a lot of guys that are ahead of him. So my thinking was we get rid of him. Watching the game, it's making me second guess that. Now it's one game, and I shouldn't get too excited about it. But it just shows that there's so much talent, that there's so much talent to offer. It's like, and it, this is a perfect segue into number three, Liam Stocker. Liam Stocker sort of finding himself in that similar position, sort of playing behind the ball. Admittedly, I, he has sort of moved into a more advanced defensive role, sort of off the flank, a bit more like a Doherty, William Saar type role which I think is better suited to him. Obviously, we'd love to see him in the field, but he's been fantastic because he's getting his hands on the ball more. And it's, and it's a role he can... It's a, Obviously, it's positionally what we don't like, but in terms of the role he plays, it's almost been like taking the leash off and letting him go. He's, apart from, I think, one that one bad kick, he was pretty, he was good all game. And his attack, his attack is in, is in, and his intensity too, his tackling as well off the ball, has been great and his his use offensively has made has been fantastic as well. So those three was fantastic to see. Actually, have a it was it was good good performer and something that moments that they can build on. And it's obviously some of them aren't young at the moment. I mean, Patricia seems twenty three, twenty four, but with younger players, you look for that just those moments that you can build upon. Yeah, I'm so, I'm starting to get really excited about Stocker. I think. He's slotted in so well into a position that he's not familiar with. And I think he's just been... There's been a few games where he's made mistakes. Naturally, that's going to happen when you're a young player playing in the back pocket. He's had some really bad matchups too. Like His direct opponent has just been way too good for him because realistically, it's a game that he's not used to. But I think what we've seen from him, in the la- especially the last sort of two, three games where he's getting a bit more up the ground and getting getting the ball more. You can see why we rated him as highly as we did. We can see why we made that trade. You know, we're never going we're not going to know the who won that trade for for a very long time. That's the reality of it. But I can see the justification of it now and it's so good to see it because and and I'm just glad for him because he must have felt so much pressure on him his whole career. He probably still does because the, I can't I can't think of a player who got drafted as low as he did. Because really, not that he got drafted low. He got drafted pick 19, pick 20, whatever it was. He got drafted low in the grand scheme of things, yet there was so much hype about him. The only, that doesn't happen. Yeah, like he someone, might, to have that much someone to have that much pressure, you'd think he'd be a pick three, pick two, pick three. Like yeah. a Jacob Wiedering. Like he got, he was, and arguably it was kind of fair because he was pick one. And Josh Shackey was the same because he, he was pick two. And, so. and, and my thinking is as well, like, Carlton threw him under the bus by saying publicly, we had, you know, six on our board. That's tough. That's tough. You've already told the kid that you went, you should have gone higher, but you didn't. So clubs obviously didn't rate you like we did. So there's already pressure on him then. And amongst all the media, just because naturally the media comes onto us because we're Carlton, we're a big club, big fan base. And and everyone knows they're going to get a reaction out of Carlton. That's just the reality of it. We're, We're to blame for that, you and I. But um, 
Yeah, but also there's the conspiracy against Carlton, which is also also very, very, very true. But no, you, yeah, you're right. But I'll, I'll just yeah, no. Nah, but I'll, basically, what I'm saying is, it's just good to see progression. I feel like we don't see progression in our young players ever. Like I can't remember a play, a young player progressing other than super talents like Walsh, Weidering, Mackay. They're super talents. They're guys that are always going to progress because they're just naturally so gifted. It's guys like Dow, Stockout that we need, that obviously need that time to develop. And we're actually seeing signs. It's something we haven't seen for ages. Hopefully we can start seeing it from Lockie O'Brien eventually if he sticks around. What, what are the odds of that happening? Probably unlikely to say, but Dow surprised us. Petrovsky Seedon surprised us. So it's so good to see. It's like with Cunningham as well. If he didn't get injured, he would have been right up there. That game was, I guess, made for him with the quick back and forth and the quick out of the back half. He would have been fantastic running through the midfield as well. Obviously, just got the news. Zach Williams has been gotten a week. Can can you please read that out to me? Because I I want to I want to. I'll read Zach Williams. Zach Williams Carlton in charge with engaging in rough. Obviously, if you go through the whole thing, there's a lot of Adelaide and Carlton players fined for engaging in a melee. But um, Zach Williams, rough conduct against Ben Keys during the third quarter. Summary can ma- uh, accept a one-match sanction with an early plea. It's intentional, low-impact, high contact. Is he the only player that got a suspension? Suspended, yes. Everyone else got fined. Doc Fo- Darcy Fogarty, Jack Martin, Ben Keys, uh, Doherty, Thilthorpe, Stocker, and then... Couple others, Lockie Plowman and Ned McHenry, the other ones, they all got fined for engaging in the melee. But Zach Williams gets um, gets a week, which is funny to see. Which they talk about head sacrosanct, and Buddy Franklin's done that, gone like head, gone hip first into someone's head twice or two weeks in a row, two weeks in a row, maybe two games in a row, and nothing happens. It's, I mean, just the AFL for you, but. Obviously, just news coming in. Obviously, you, you'll find out before you listen, I'm sure. But yeah, Zach Williams um, charged with rough conduct. I, I don't remember the real incident, but I'm sure it's nothing. Obviously, Luke's across from me shaking his head as well. I'm sure he thinks that nothing's in it as well. But dear goes to show the AFLs are the MRM, the match review moron, I think. Michael Christian, get back to commentating TV games, not um, not playing, I guess, with... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going going with this, but not making stupid mistakes. I I I don't understand this match review panel. I just don't get it, or the match review committee. I don't. I I mean, I was, we've just read this now, so I, we didn't know this as once we started. But uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen the incident. But even without this incident, the the inconsistency with it all has been, just been atrocious all year. I mean. You look at the one Plowman got pinged for, and there's been since that, which has only been two, three weeks. Since that, since even since even, that, even yeah. before but, that but, as well. Okay, before that, fair enough. We've those ones got highlighted, but since that, there's been so many of the same sort of things where two players going for the ball. The only difference is that the guy didn't get knocked out. It's not like Plowman wanted to knock the guy out, like. They're just the inconsistency. They punish the outcome, not the act. And it's just, it's such a problem. But, I mean, I could talk about that for a while, but we won't. I mean, it was perfect. I was going to mention at some stage, I'll bring it up now, Zach Williams. Um, I'm really shattered. Hopefully we can overturn this. But I thought he he was fantastic. You know, he he's a player who I think needs a bit of confidence. And he played really well. Obviously, got a lot of the footy. Just looked looked dynamic he looked like the player we wanted um and it's he's been under a lot of criticism the last two months i'd say so it's good to see him in some form and i was going to say Saad as well was great again i I saw carlton gave him their man of the match um fair enough he scored a fantastic goal i think he got nominated for goal of the week which was fantastic um and then newman as the sub i was really surprised he um he was dropped but Newman was fantastic when he came on for Murphy, who um, I will get onto in a second. But um, I thought Newman was great. I don't think he deserved to get dropped, but he basically played out most of the game anyway. And I don't see him losing his spot. But yeah, those those sort of those three that I think we're always going to talk about, sort of in sync, along with Doherty as those sort of flankers, rebounding players that 
propel the ball forward. I thought they were fantastic. They've been one of the that that those that sort of unit has been one of the shining lights this year, I think, and they've just kept going and going and going. Yeah, obviously had a bad just had a just bad week against you against the Giants. I'm and I'm, a lot of people did, um, but yeah, good to see him respond. He, he got copped a knock as well early in the game, which I think he still might be carrying anyway. But um, yeah, good to see good to see Williams respond respond like that. Obviously, going to get another week to rest next week but um yeah even Sard as well Sard was fantastic just had oh he had so many just great kicks where you just see him he kicks so awkwardly you think he's just going to kick it out of bounds and it hits a target through through a, a lot of people so it's it's that kick that everyone calls the suckling kick because suckling was the first sort of play to come in and do that weird roundhouse sort of style kick Sard does it so well it's 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 actually really satisfying to watch I, I love it yeah, and Saad was Saad was fantastic. I loved this game. I think he had four, five hundred meters gained or something. Got the goal. Great chase down tackle as well, which obviously stopped a certain goal on Berry. I think it was. Um, yeah. Great couple of good spoils too as well. Again, I'll say it for someone who couldn't defend. Um, <laughs> someone who couldn't defend, but um, yeah, I, I loved this game. It was it was actually it was. It was like, um, we'll get to the votes soon. It was like last week. It was hard to do the votes, but for the complete opposite reason because there were actually so many contributors to the team. Not like last week where there was barely any. This week, it was actually actually a lot. But one more on Newman. I think he was actually, albeit this might sound weird, it was, Teague was actually a bit lucky, I think, Murphy got injured because without Newman, we barely had a medium like kind of defender on that team, really, and he really helped with that back line so really lucky that I think Newman was still the sub but um, yeah loved his twin thing had 20 odd touches and, and stuff in in three quarters some great great kicks as well and a soft 50 which I won't I'll just mention but yeah <laughs> um, I'll bring up Murphy now Murphy obviously got injured and he's four games away from the 300 um, two week calf injury so he's cutting it close <laughs> do you think he's going to get there? And and if do you think it's going to get to the stage where we will gift him the games? And what's your thoughts on that? Even then, if he's a sub, he gets the gets the game anyway. So, um, I mean, as much as I want to be overly and I guess too optimistic, I think finals is done for us. So we're not really obviously you want to win games, but I mean the season's kind of pretty much done and you can kind of afford to gift. And him as well, I think he deserves it. It'd be Brad Fisher 2.0 if he gets stuck on 299. I think... Um, just a bit more extreme. Just a bit... Um, if he gets stuck on 299. Because um, there's, what, six rounds left. Obviously, two games he'll miss. Um, even if he's a sub for a couple, which I think he might be. He'll. I think he'll... He, I hope he gets there... And only time will will tell. So, and I don't think we should get should give him the get him to three hundred. Like uh, I think Kerno will get to two hundred in a few weeks. I'm sure as well. Yeah, I really hope for Murph's sake he gets there. I um, I've sort of been um and anaring about whether we should gift a player that opportunity. And then I was listening to a, a different podcast uh, recently. Um, I've mentioned them before, Listics AFL, and they mentioned how Nathan Jones. You know they they got him to his milestone. I think it was three hundred as well, and um, and it was it, it was sort of it, it's a sign of just respect to a player who gave so much to a club in one of their darkest times in the club's history. You know, obviously Jones was like the shining light for so many years at Melbourne. Murphy was one of the very few shining lights at Carlton for a very long time, and he's stuck by us the whole way. He's always been under scrutiny for being a number one pick. But he's always been a great player for us, and it's a shame he's coming. His career's coming to an end. But I do hope that we do give him that respect in a way, and um, and just get him there because he, he he's earned it for sure. But um, it'll be interesting to see. That's that's going to be one to watch. Um, <laughs> on another note, something rather bizarre happened in the game, and that was uh, Jack Silvani has a new position potentially. Is he Sean Grigg 
what what uh, what, are, what are your I, thoughts on this? <laughs> it was interesting to see what would happen with um obviously Pitney injured and not having a ruck Casbolt being suspended. Some I'm not surprised gets of course he'd get suspended in the VFL. But um Yeah, I, and I was always wondering and I saw obviously the Koenig started, Wiedering went with Walker when it was in the back line. Which is fair enough, it's your opponent and it made made sense didn't have to worry about um that and DeConning and could go on the sit on the fifty and wait for the the chop out kick. Um, Mackay went in, I think went once, and I did not did not like to see that at all. Yeah, I saw Mackay and Cripps go in a couple of times in the forward line, which was funny Cripps, to watch. Cripps, I don't mind obviously if it's because of his skills as a midfielder as well. Obviously, we know about that, and adding in the ruck contest would be fantastic. And but just seeing Mackay did not did not like it one bit. Just wrap him wrap him up in cotton wool if we could. Um, but you see Silvani's that second ruck. He won a few hitouts, but I think, and most of the time, he halved the contest against one of the up-and-coming ruckmen in the in the game. And his his ability to, I guess, he'd be able to work off him as well. Be I think he'd be able to run harder and quicker out of the contest and out of the stoppage, and provides an extra option, which which is fantastic. Obviously, and another thing you're always going to get with him is that 200% effort and intensity always. And he's he does have good footy smarts, or at least I think he does, and he's got good skills as well. So I think it's fantastic, and it was it was one of the um decisions uh, I referred to as being good by Teague to to put him in the ruck, which was as a second ruck, because you don't have to worry about putting in being too tall or or whatever. So I I, I enjoyed it. I honestly think it, it I think it actually uh, it's something to for the club to genuinely consider and Teague to have a think about because, as you said. He 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 halve, he can halve the contest and realistically halving the contest is a win in that situation against Riley O'Brien who's a giraffe he's a big unit if Zavani at his height can and his size can halve it that's a win I think just because the knock on Zavani has always been he works a hundred percent you know he he's always putting in as much as he can the problem is he's just not as naturally gifted as the other players on the team. But compared to Ruckman, well, he's going to be a bit more naturally gifted than most Ruckman in the league. I can't think of many Ruckman that are going to out outplay uh, Silvani in terms of skills and all that. And on top of that, just the running capabilities as well. So now I'm not saying, oh, permanent number two Ruck. Not a, That's not an option. It's, it's, it's going to be a great option. That's exactly it. And like, because we're in a position now where Pitane, he could be out for a while. We don't know. The way Carlton injuries work, who knows? Murkov, who we just signed, of course, the Carlton curse goes down for the season. Or I'm not sure if it's, I don't know what the result was, but he's out, he's out for a while. Um, and Levi got suspended. Realistically, Levi's not a player I think we want to be bringing in this time of the year. You know, we've got young players, give them a chance. And. The best way to avoid bringing Levi in is to make just make shift. Like you saw how Gold Coast just made it work earlier in the year when they had no Ruckman. You can make it work. De Koning's only going to get fitter. I thought he was very very solid. Didn't set the world on fire. He looked very tired. So there is that argument. Maybe we do need that second Ruck, but we can make it work, and we showed that we could. Now a better team might take advantage of that a bit more. I don't know, but it's something that I think needs to be considered. Because, yeah, I mean, and I think potentially if Silvani does get a few more midf- uh, stoppages in the future, obviously would lighten the load as well and have that effect. Because, yeah, because obviously you talk about having the contest. As long as he doesn't let the other, obviously the other Ruckman win and he brings it to ground, it's four on three in that regard, I feel, Silvani, at, if Silvani's in, in that stoppage as well. So, yeah, he's knocking him as well as always. He wasn't tall enough for a big key forward and he wasn't short enough to be as small. So... It was always that in between, and finding a role for him was hard, especially with the effort and skills he he possesses. So, yeah, I'd have to say it's always obviously yeah, it's not going to say it's not going to be permanent number two forever, but going forward, it's always an option, and maybe potentially next year if Deconning gets fitter and there's another option as well, he could and Silvani maybe increases his, his increases his experience as a as a as a ruckman. It feels weird saying that, but um could be very beneficial in the future. Sean Grigg 2.0 might be a bit too... Might be calling it a bit too soon, but I hope it is the case because obviously Sean Grigg 
was it? Can't play, but technically, Premiership Ruckman, as I've, as I've been told by some of my Richmond friends, which is weird to say when you think about it. It was, yeah, but um, I, I, I loved it for one. I'm sure others did, but I'm obviously people aren't going to enjoy it and be fantastic to see when um, you don't have to worry about him losing like a kind of tallish player in the forward one when McGovern and, and Charlie can, fingers crossed, one day come back too. So, yeah, I I can't speak highly of it. It was, it was a great decision by Teague, I think. Absolutely, and it, it was it was very much just making it work. You know, at the end of the day, they're professional footballers; they can figure it out. They're not they're not idiots. It was one thing I'll say as well. It's albeit while it was a good decision, it's a shame that injuries forced our hand. We were always crying out for new ideas and different things, and it was a shame. Obviously, it took injuries to to make that happen, but at least that happened all the same. And and you can see, hopefully gives them some confidence to make some other decisions in the future not not forced by injury one thing i noticed um at the this game and i i'm actually keen to go back and look at previous games to see if this is something that's been happening all year i don't know what made me notice it yesterday but um at the center bounces you know i think at the the one the first one i noticed i think we had walsh dow kennedy as the three midfielders and all of them were standing behind their direct opponent. So at the centre bounce, you have the three, your three midfielders in there surrounding the circle, and every one of the players was standing behind them. So they're sort of working from backwards. Like, and I, that this was one of the things I was getting really frustrated at. I noticed it in the first quarter, and the first quarter was awful to watch. And I thought, oh. This is going to be the one thing I just keep noticing and noticing because we suck. We suck. And then the second quarter happened. I'm like, well, I'm still noticing it, but we st- we're not sucking as much. So it's all right. But I think it's something that, that um, I just noticed. I want to get your thoughts on. What are your thoughts on all three of our players at the center bounds being behind their direct opponent? Like, So realistically, if the ball just comes down, that Adelaide player or one of those three Adelaide players is going to get their hands on it first, whether they get a clean disposal, but they're getting their hand on it first. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's, I, obviously, I'm, I for one didn't notice it, but um, Luke, you've got a keener eye than I do in terms of those things. Um, the only thing I can really think of is they want to be a bit more defensive in the stoppage and not get beaten so easily. And if it's at the centre stoppage, they maybe hope or try and force a, a centre bound, another ball up. I know for the wingers to come in or and get some extra support that way. And I think it might just be. They don't want to get beaten on the stoppage. Might maybe try and halve it that way, if and force a ball up and get the back flankers to roll up and provide that defensive cover. So then, when they do have that cover, they can then go attack. Um, that's the only thing I can really think of at the moment. Obviously, maybe after something to look out for against Fremantle. Obviously, Nat Five from Shaw's back in, and they've got some great midfielders, regardless of him anyway. So as well, Mundy and Cher and Brayshaw as well, among others. So it's interesting to see if they do go with that again, but it might just be, depends who they're up against or... But very very interesting pickup. I, I did not get that. Yeah, it's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye out next week and the week's coming. Just It's just something that... I, I mean, I, in theory, I don't really like it, but it's something I think I need to watch a bit more of to get a better understanding of it. And again maybe against more quality midfield uh, because, no, n- not to be um, mean to Adelaide, but the quality of their midfield isn't quite at the level of most teams. So um, it's one to just keep an eye out for, I think. Um, do you have any comments you want to make on the game or do you want to head into the votes? I just want to say one thing. I just saw what um, Zach Williams got suspended for and there's plenty of incidents where that's occurred and it's been given as nothing so can can you try and describe it as best he's you trying to drag the pooty hootie who he put on the ground whoever it was i come because anyway um i oh know it's ben keys the yeah not so good for brisbane um he's pulling he's pulling he's pulling him off his teammate who i can't see because track pants umpires in the way and as he's as he's pulling as he's pulling him away he slams him down a little but I mean, Lockie Plamel got Albert in the head, got nothing. I got from David Asprey, got nothing. Joel Selwood punched someone in the head. You could see it. He's just beating at the ball, but the ball's a meter away. 
Um, it's almost as good excuse as um, Chris Judd's pressure point excuse. And the one Carlton Blues fans on Twitter has got side-by-side is Tom Stewart putting um, Charlie Cummins into the ground, albeit with a bit more intensity as well. And that got nothing. But um, after seeing that now, it's a shame because you just look at the precedent and when you're talking about applying rules and kind of the law of the game and stuff like that, you you do look at precedents and they're not doing that, which is almost a crock, I'd say crock, which is, <laughs> for lack of a better words, it's it's a joke if that's going to happen. Um, especially when, yeah, I can't, I can't believe that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, one, one more for, um, one more for no um, for no consistency. The Fogarty got nothing for his hit on Weedering, but Kasbah got a week for his one when he played them. I don't know it was this year when he played this year, but um, anyway, I know he got fined for that. But sorry, but um, yeah, we could talk for hours about the inconsistencies of the MRM, but yeah, just I just saw the footage and I thought I'd share it. That's uh, is what it is. You can't complain more about it unless you burn down AFL house which I'm not condoning at all wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> um, I, I think I think this is going to be one that they will conveniently blame on his uh, priors I think his record wouldn't be the, the nicest Zach Williams and he, I think he's definitely someone that the AFL likes to make an example of for what reason I don't know but that's just the reality of it and I'm actually. I'll have a look at this after we record, but um, doesn't sound too good. But it is what it is. Um, I'll get into the votes. Um, I'll start us off. I gave three to Plowman. I thought Plowman was phenomenal. I thought it, defensively, he was great. You know, he came in after missing uh, through suspension and injury at the same time, which is a convenient time to get injured. Um, came in absolutely phenomenal. I thought our whole backline defended really well. I thought. Out of the three keys in uh, Weedering, Jones, Plowman, I thought Weedering was the only one that um, I'd say was was the closest to being beaten. But even then, I don't think he got beaten. I thought he played really well. But Plowman was great. And again, one of the main reasons I'm giving him three was just the the spirit, the 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 willing, the will he had to go and back his teammate and just get in a big dude's face. I I, I think that's. I can't speak highly of it enough. And I think that's why the club rates him so highly as well. It's, he's he's clearly a leader amongst the players. And he's he's not even that old. Like, he's he's, he's just a natural leader, I reckon. And it, I, I just... I can't believe how much he's grown on me. I, I cannot believe... I used to hate him. And now I'm, I cannot get enough of him. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, on Weedering, yeah, I, I'd happily agree. I don't think he got beaten. I think he got... Walker got to those chances because I think they put it on his head about a million times and that's the only person they went to, really. Fogarty got it barely any in. Um, yeah, so I, I think Weedering arguably, yeah, didn't get beaten. My 3-2-1, Plowman, three, very interesting. Obviously, I, I agree. I think he did have a great game. Didn't get my three, but it was all just good to see. He had some great kicks as well, off the so using the ball as well as defensively. Um, went with the short sleeve over the top combo as well which yeah. is interesting to see but i think that might just be a might just be a sponsor issue he didn't they don't have the they changed sponsors around and didn't have that but my three two one three was jones i think pretty safe to say immense and especially with the i'd say game match winning the spoil mark at the end as well um was fantastic um he had a few good kicks which is i guess out of character i feel for liam jones but um fan, how many I don't know. The, I don't know the stats offhand, but he had a, I'd say a million, almost a million marks, <laughs> and of what intercepts, two was Walsh. Um, I think he's due to stop running around on the, at Marvel. I think in twenty minutes he's still running around at the moment. Thirty-eight touches should have had a. I think he should have had a goal, but he created a few as well, which is all. I, I think all the same. And one I gave it to Dow because um I just loved it. He took his he took his chance. He played he played well and kicked a kicked a great goal too. And it's so good to see him through traffic. We saw that I think in his first game. He had those moments through traffic, and it hasn't changed. And hopefully, can see more of it in the future. Obviously, special mentions Saad and and for one especially great goal. And 
sparked the team into actually playing a bit better footy. So, um, yes, Doherty added, obviously, not special mention, but he just came into mind. He actually had a better game compared to, to last week as well. So, but special mention as well as, um, oh, I forgot his name. Oh, who? Oh, I'm going to uh, take over here. Because yeah, I forgot who it was. It was Sardin, someone else. But I've forgotten, but I'll leave it at that. All right. Now, I'm going to finish off my votes because um, I only got through one player. So, I gave the three to Plowman. Uh, two, I went with Walsh as well. Um, I think that that just speaks for itself. He was everywhere. And I gave the one to Stocker. Um, I mentioned, I talk, I've spoken about him, so I don't need to talk about him more. But I thought he was great. Um Moving on, I have an unlucky moment of the week. And this one, I cannot express how unlucky. I, 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 I felt so bad for the bloke. So I was, at, I was at the footy. And as anyone who's been to the footy knows that when you get to level three or the top deck, uh, the, stair, the steps uh, increase in uh, depth. In gradient. They get a bit steeper. Yeah. Is that what you're yeah, referring to? This, yeah, this, no, I, I agree. You can get a little shaky if you're not used to them. Yeah, so the steps get a little bit uh, deeper and <laughs> because of the COVID restrictions and the everything, every randomly there'll be just a row where there's no no one sitting. So as naturally as you do, you cut through that row, you jump over the seat and you get to where your seat is. And this poor fella, well, he, he when I say this poor fella, he was probably about 60 Looked good though. Looked in good shape for a sixty-year-old. Had a box of food. Family was waiting. The family was waiting, oh, ready. No. They were hungry. This is just before kickoff as well. Just before the first bounce. He's walking along. He cuts through the row, and he goes to take that step over the the, the chair, and the the foot didn't make it over. And oh, no. let me tell you, when the food the, when I say the food went everywhere. The food went everywhere. That's a good 50 bucks down the drain, at least. You had a box full of it. So, yeah, because chips are about five, aren't they? The burger and chips are 10 plus. Oh, geez. Oh, I'm thinking the damage right now. That's a real shame. Yeah, man man down and men overboard with the chips falling down. Oh, no. Poor. That is is a very unlucky moment. That's very unfortunate. Hang on. And there's more. So, bad enough. The poor bloke has to hang his head in embarrassment for the because he everyone knows who he is and he's got to sit through the whole game. No one, I mean, no one gave him shit. Everyone was making sure he was okay, of course. But um, then he got to the stage where I'm sure if, if, if anyone was at the game, they would have noticed. If anyone was watching at home, I don't know, you might have noticed. They left the roof open at Marvel and there were so many seagulls in the, in the stadium. And they just all, so pretty much third, late third quarter, start of the fourth, all these bloody seagulls started flocking our area because there were all these chips on the, on the floor because the bloke fell over and the food went everywhere. Oh, no. So, double, it's a double whammy. So it wasn't only unlucky for him. It was unlucky for everyone in the aisle. It was just, it was a, it was a, it was a series of uh, unfortunate events. That's very, what I would say. very lemony snicket of, of you. Yeah, that's terrible. And and the seagulls. Yeah, obviously they had the roof open for so they didn't have to wear masks, and which is so it's so weird to see the roof open on a night as night game as well. Just so odd. But um, obviously, yep, that's the times we live in now. But geez, it's a very very unlucky moment. I I couldn't think of a moment any unluckier. I think. Yeah, I just needed to share that one. And and if if you he was a he was a faithful Carlton man, I heard him cheering throughout the game. So if you're listening. I hope all is well, and I hope um, you had a good feed when you got home. I, I, I do feel for you, and I think everyone in the aisle felt for you, um, watching all that money just get eaten by seagulls. But um, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, we'll look towards next week. We have Fremantle. Now, obviously, we played Freo earlier this year, and we got a win, a very much-needed win at the time, too. We took advantage of a very... I think they had a few injuries at the time. Yeah, Fifeless, Rory Wobbless, a few others missing. Um, they've got a lot more ins now, especially in their key key departments. So that Josh Tracy that we talked about did play. Alex Pierce has come in now and started to play some good footy. Rory Wobbs obviously come in and Nat Fife hasn't didn't play against Collingwood, but I'm pretty sure he's in because it was a weight change, so I'm sure he's in this week. So they did have a few 
key players are missing, but um, makes it all more challenging and, and a challenge that we should be, be wanting. Obviously, you don't want to play teams when they're their best. You don't want any excuses or any easier reasons to win. Obviously, you'll take the four points, but you want to play teams at their best, and and I think it'll be a good challenge. Obviously, if yep, yeah, Fremantle might be here. Depends on, obviously, COVID and all that. Obviously, again, the times we, we live in. If it is at Marvel, I'm sure it'd be at Marvel again. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, but yeah, um, do you want to talk about it? Um, yeah, they've obviously got a few back in. We will obviously have Williams out, Murphy out, any others potentially you'd think? I, I don't see many getting dropped. I think in terms of the actual performance of individuals, the only player who I think might be getting under pressure, but I don't see them getting um, dropped, is Fogarty. I thought he had a down game by his his standards. Otherwise, I think everyone else stays in. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Levi is one that comes in to help with that ruck situation. But um, as you said, Murphy's going to be an out. Um, who was the other one you said? Oh, William. William. Well, I mean, we'll wait and see. We might be able to challenge, hopefully, but assume he's out. Um, I mean, it, it's it's an exciting prospect, the thought that just this young team, hopefully if they keep playing them in their positions, can get a good win. Because really, I don't rate Freo. They're, I think they're ninth on the ladder at the moment. I think they're seven and seven or something like that. Um, and I think that's flattering them a bit. I think they've got a great young team, but a bit like Carlton, I don't think what they bring out on the on game day is that special. Um, they're getting they're very much getting carried by their senior players in Monday. You know, Lob has been really good up forward. Luke Ryan and Alex Pierce down back have been really good the last few weeks, um, and there's been a few young guys that have been contributing, but. It's not a whole team performance at Frio, I don't think, and that's been an issue that Carlton's had for a while. So, I mean, I mean, it's it's in my opinion, it's it's the same situation as what it was earlier in the year. If we think we're good enough to be a top eight contender, which I think we are, regardless of the ladder position now, I think we are good enough to be in that position. I think we have to go in expecting a win. I mean, Freo's not a flash team. They're not that great. I'm expecting a win. um, Yeah, exactly. I think we've said that about many games. If we are who we think we are, we'll go in believing we can win and and win. And it should win. But obviously, with this club, you just never know. Always one for surprises. So, um, yeah, I think Caswell may be in as well, especially considering they've got two very good ruckmen. Obviously, Sean Darcy. Yeah, Sean Darcy and Roy Lobb. So, because I'm... so Caswell might be in to help relieve that because I mean they were going up just against one against Adelaide, really. So um, yeah, I think they do play a bit more defensive. I'd say I'd say as well. So if we can really get it quick and move it quick and beat their structures, I think it would hold us in in good stead. We're going tips now. Going all right. I think it be might be more of the same, but hopefully a bit more comfortable, not as um nail biting. Finish, I'm hoping Colton by 20. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game regardless of ins, outs and all that. I think I think we'll get the win. I'm going to say Carlton by 13. However, if it gets moved to here, I think we win by more. Um, but I don't know. It just depends on the situation. I'm going to say Carlton by 13. I think it's going to be another tight one. Um, and realistically... All I want right now is wins. If, if they're going to be ugly, I don't care. We need wins. We need to get those those points on the board. Thirteen. Thirteen unlucky for some. Hopefully, it's lucky for Carlton. Seeing as we've done that, it's it's time, JB. It's time for you to show off your knowledge that we all know that you are so good at. I am going to be delivering this week's Forgotten Blue. So, just, um, sorry, it's just a shame. It's not a marketable skill. Just... um. It, knowledge of knowledge of obscure Carlton players currently put that on my resume, but um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Obviously, obviously, just the two of us got Luke's got me guessing again. See if I can get it right, like like last week. Absolutely. So, I, I have a gut feeling this one might be an early get. So the pressure's on for you. I'm expecting an early prediction. Um, we'll get going. 
So this player came to Carlton as a mature age ruckman forward from Norwood in 2011. This, uh, the Carlton recruiting manager Wayne Hughes admitted to being a fan of the former Sydney Swans rookie and had no hesitation in picking him up with the club's second selection, number 44, in that year's national draft. Uh, this is all courtesy of Blue Zine, by the way. So this man uh, announced himself as a potential league footballer with the Murray Bush Rangers under-18s when he represented New South Wales in 2005 national championships. Jesus. Um, he was then rookied to Sydney that year um, in the eighth round at pick 62. Um, he spent two years on the list without without getting a game um, and then accepted the offer to join Norwood. Oh, it's back in my brain. We say ruck forward. Yep. Oh, yes. I, sorry, continue. I'll let you get on with a bit more and I'll make my guess, I think. Yep, no worries. So I will move on to when when we're talking about uh, Carlton sort of gear. Um, so this man steadily matured and in 2010 he was approached by Carlton. This man was thrilled to be offered another chance to play AFL football and would not have joined and would have joined his former teammate Nick Digan at Princess Park the following year. He had a year to go as an apprentice carpenter and was unable to finish um, he was he wasn't enjoying it, so football was the perfect escape. There you go. That's 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 a good story, yeah, actually. If, if only if it was that simple for everyone else. Just don't like what you're doing. Yeah, just go play some footy. <laughs> well, now we're sort of getting into the better stuff. Carlton coach. Um, oh wait, no. So Hughes news. It was a cal- calculated risk to pass on this player, um, knowing that other AFL clubs were well aware of his abilities, but no AFL club came calling, so this man became a blue 12 months later than first anticipated, although he suffered a pre-season shoulder injury that temporarily set him back. He was just starting to showcase his potential with the Northern Blues by May 2012. Now, the next part I want to hold off because it's the giveaway, so I'm going to continue on, and I'll I'll mention it later. Um, Carlton coach Brett Radden expressed the general reaction by everyone at Carlton by saying, football's a great game and we love being a part of it, but we just want to see this player go through this, get himself right, and even if it takes a little bit longer than expected, that'll make sense once I... Can I ask when it. he debuted? I, I can't believe how long this story's going for. It's just going on. I, I, I need to find it. Um, okay, so all the factors came into focus when this play was selected to replace the injured Sean Hampson and play his first senior match in a finals-like atmosphere at the MCG against Collingwood in round two, 2013. Gee, Sam, bro. Oh, Collingwood 2013. Oh, did we... We didn't... I'm sure we didn't win that game, did we? Um, the game attracted an enormous crowd of 84,000 plus, and they were treated to a classic contest. The Blues led narrowly for most of the first three quarters, only to falter in the last few minutes ah, to be beaten by 17 points. Makes sense. Yep, make, I've, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> um, this player was handy on debut, collecting 11 possessions, four marks, eight hitouts, and he got his first career goal. Calmly taken, set shot in the third quarter. He wanted to play another nine games highlighted by Carlton's victory over St Kilda in round 16. Helping celebrate his ruck partner Matthew Cruz's 100th game, this man hauled down six marks and kicked three goals as the Blues easily accounted for the Saints in an excellent Saturday night's entertainment at Dockland Stadium. Then at season's end, to the delight of everyone involved, this man signed a contract extension that paved the way for the feel-good stories of 2014. Man, this is going on. There's so much more. Can you break well. it down? Just get some small, smaller clues. I should have taken. I should have taken notes. Summaries. Um, Carlton lost to Port Adelaide in a setback to start the year, so this player replaced Matthew Watson for the following week's match against Richmond at the G. Jeez, and this really time cool. was asked to play in defence. Oh, it certainly looked like a gamble, but soon paid off. Although his side was beaten, this man showed that he was up to the task calm under pressure and ready to back his judgment and strength in the air. This play just got better as the night unfolded and from then on didn't miss a game for the rest of the year. So a forward ruck, ruck forward that went back and it's not Liam Jones. I'd have to say it's the former number 17, Sam Rowe. 
You've got it. Obviously, the incident I was talking about was when he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Yeah, fair enough. That would have definitely given it away. Yeah, so I think that would have given it away. But, um, geez, that was a... Oh, my I, think, I think maybe for next we make a bit more succinct notes and clues. I think we're going to edit. have to edit half that out. <laughs> you said his name just under your breath a few times. I don't know if you even know if you said it, but you said it under your, under your breath a few times. Because I was trying to think, you heard, I said like, I thought, I, I immediately thought of Matthew Watson drafting, but then you said mature age and I thought of Matthew Dick. <laughs> and then I was from Sydney as well. Um, Jeremy Laidler popped in, but he went to Sydney. A few names popped up, but um, yeah, Sam Rowe, I think Liam Jones before Liam Jones, just to, just a competitor and it was... Obviously, there during the dark time. Did he make it to 100 games? Um, I reckon he, he got 99 games. Oh, so 99 games, 17 goals. So maybe Jeez. the award gets renamed Brad Fisher slash Sam Rowe MVP. Yeah, I think it might have to be. That's oh, I didn't. I thought Fisher was one of the only ones. There you go. I do remember that now. Now, now that I've read it, it, ring, it rings a bell. But um, yeah, Sam Rowe. Obviously, he's not as forgotten I think as some of the others we've had he's definitely a player as I said 99 games in more recent times so um, definitely not as much of an unknown as some of the others but if you got that at home well done to you Um, I'm sorry it took so long it was it was a it was a much bigger story than I expected Um, but is there any final comments you have JB before we get going Uh, one one good point I'll bring up and I'm I'm sure everyone else will enjoy it um I just put it out there. Just um, shout out to Ray Chamberlain. Found it hard to to see on the ground yesterday. They on on Sunday they cut the gra- they cut the they didn't cut the grass short enough, and he couldn't see over it. So um, yeah, just one good point I thought I'd bring up, which I thought would be pretty amusing to most. Yeah, just couldn't couldn't see over the grass, which is maybe as as to an explanation why some decisions were or were not made. Classic umpires joke. I love it. Um, well, on that note, I think it's best that we leave it there. We've gone on for a bit. Um, I'm excited to talk next week. I, I, I'm I'm very I'm more optimistic than usual. I think for next week's game. So um, hopefully, it's it's a good conversation. Don't have, fall into that new, trap. I fall into this trap every week, JB, and it's gonna be it's gonna be good this time. Okay, so um, until next time. Thank you.